Welcome into the fifth down, the Houston Chronicles, Houston Texans podcast. Joining me is Jonathan Alexander, who is the beat writer for the Chronicle, covering the NFL and the Texans. I'm Jerome Sullivan, columnist with the Chronicle, and we in a fifth down this week without a game to look forward to because the Texans lost on Saturday to the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round of the playoffs. Their season is over. The next game will be uh, about eight months from now. The next real game, anyway. Early September for the 2024 season. We'll talk a little bit about that. What's next for the Texans? What's happening over these next eight months? But let's take it back to Saturday. And this previous six months of the NFL season, the Texans got so much farther than anyone thought. Did so much better than most would have imagined. Jonathan, is it simple to say that what a successful season the Texans had this year? Yeah, I, I think so. No matter how you look at it, this Texas team wasn't supposed to be in the playoffs. They weren't even supposed to have a winning record yet. They did, Chris, 11-8. and eight, And that's just a credit to, you know, the offseason they had. No, I'll start. We haven't given much credit to him, but Nick Perio. You know, the ownership group was patient with him, and they let him, you know, they allowed him to continue instead of choosing to fire him. And they hired D'Amico Ryans together, ownership group in Casario. And Casario was, and um, sorry, D'Amico was obviously the right hire at coach. And, and they drafted well. And they got the quarterback they needed along with getting Will Anderson. They could potentially have the offensive and defensive rookie up year. So they made calculated, smart moves this offseason. And it paid off. And I, you know, nobody expected it. So I say, yeah, it was it was, it was definitely um, better than expected. Yeah, I, I, I want to get into the, the Ravens game, but I, I don't want to leave that point that you just made, those points off the table. I want to dive into that a little bit. I mean, every great coach was hired by some owner at some point. Every great quarterback was drafted by somebody. Or I, I don't think there's been a really great one that wasn't drafted. Kurt Warner, perhaps. Um, but for the Texans to hit on that trio of D'Amico Ryans, C.J. Stroud at quarterback, Will Anderson Jr. at linebacker at the same, in the same year. I, I don't know if that's really been done before. I, I haven't even looked it up. I'm sure you've done some a little research on it. it. It's pretty incredible. And, of course, we're one year in for all of them, but each one of them has shown that the future is bright. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at C.J. Stroud, he had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. Any any quarterback, you know, led the league in passing yards per game, interception to touchdown ratio, and if he can, if they can continue to build around him, add more pieces, you know, Tank Dell, of course, coming back, Nico Collins going to be entering year four. I think they need to add another wide receiver just in case. You never know when you have injuries, you know, so they won't be susceptible to just having one guy. It towards the end of the season, even bringing back Dalton Schultz for, or maybe added another tight end. I think that continues to help C.J. Stroud on that trajectory because obviously he wants to be the best. He said it in his in his in press conference. He didn't just want to be the best rookie, best second year player. He wants to be the best ever. So you know he's gonna work hard, but the Texans just have to do their part in adding pieces around him. And then you got Will Anderson Jr., who just really like embodies what D'Amico Ryan is wants to this this program, this this franchise to be built around somebody who works relentlessly, 
who's a good guy, uh, who, who, you know, he was also a team captain his first year. Uh, and, and he played lights out, despite he played through injuries and still played well. So, yeah, they, 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 they have the building blocks necessary to be franchise that they want to be. They just need to continue to add pieces in free agency and hit well in the draft. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll dive into what's going to happen here over the next few months going forward and um, in just a little bit. Let's get to Saturday's game against the Ravens. Ended up tough for the Texans, a 34-10 loss, but it was 10-10 at halftime. Texans didn't even play well in the first half. They didn't score a touchdown offensively. They got a touchdown on a punt return, um, but had a lot of offensive penalties, had a missed field goal, opportunities that they could have taken a lead. And I do think had they taken a lead, it could have changed the entire tone of the game. Yeah, without question, we knew going in, the Ravens were the better team. They have the best record in the conference, best defense in the entire NFL. So you knew it was going to be a tall order. And I, I just thought that the Texans put some pressure on them. They got a lead. It will be interesting to see how the Ravens could handle it. and But more importantly, on the, on the specific thing, the Texans needed to turn the Ravens over a couple of times to be in the ball game. When the game ends and neither team had a turnover, advantage Ravens. Yeah. I mean, you look at it. The Ravens were the best team the Texans had played all season. We even talked about this in, in, in our podcast before. Um, you know, how good that defense was and, and not giving up points per game. They were the real deal. And they smacked the Texas offense around. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that if teams put focus on Nico Collins and the Texans weren't going to be able to beat uh, defenses and top, especially talented defense like the Ravens. But, you know, you mentioned it earlier. I thought that had they made that field goal with Kaimi Fairbairn at the end of the half and taking a lead in the halftime, that kind of changes the perception. That kind of changes the momentum. Instead, it was inflated. And you give the Ravens the opportunity to go up by a touchdown, and, and they did that. And, you know, I, I did think, and I, and I could see this kind of throughout the year, I didn't think D'Amico Ryan did a great job of adjusting in the second half. Like, he kept sending the blitz, uh, and the Ravens obviously made that adjustment, but the Texans didn't prepare. Yeah, what was working the first half did not work in the second half uh, defensively at all. Yeah. Um and and I because I mean they controlled Lamar Jackson in the first half, relatively speaking. And, and you do it fine if you keep the Ravens to ten points and a half. You you've done a good job. And he had thrown for many yards. It only run for a little bit and got free a couple times. But that's Lamar Jackson. He's going to do that. But uh, but yeah, in the second half, the Ravens came. They they came with a different energy too. Now I think that was part of it. But like I said. It, They've gotten lucky with a turnover, too. I mean, Jalen Petrie had a potential interception in the end zone, and not only would that be the turnover, but it takes literally takes points off the board that the Ravens are about to score. And it, it would, it's not like he dropped an easy interception. I'm not trying to slam him at all. It, it was a nice play on his part to get there, and he just just he couldn't grab it. But you need, you need things to go your way to beat a team as good as the Ravens. And for the Texans, the, what? Um, Tammy Fairburn, the kicker, had made 38 straight kicks from 50 yards or less, and he misses one. I was like, ah, it's just not going to be your day. Yeah. Yeah. Everything had to go right. You know, those, they couldn't have those, what, 10 penalties. Well, 10 penalties were really bad because I think 
offense has like were responsible for eight of them. It was like five false starts by four different offensive linemen. Man, and and the crazy thing about that too to interrupt you there the the false starts. I know it's loud, and I know the crowd's a factor. After you have one or two of them, you just have to get off the line a little slower. You know, I mean, like you you got to you got to accept, but you can't move. But and, and I think in watching it live, I felt like they had three or four more that the officials just said, "Man, I'm not. We're not going to call all of them on you." <laughs> Seemed like the tackles were moving before the snap all game long, so they were just out of sync. Yeah, they they really were, um, and that that ultimately hurt them, and they. I think, yeah, they were third of 10. They were third and 10 on eight of their 12 third down attempts. C.J. Strauss spoke about it. He said it's hard to uh, play when you're in third and long every so often. So All game long. Yeah, yeah all game long. You're not going to beat a Ravens team when you have third and 10 on eight of your 12 third down attempts. It's just not going to happen. It, I thought that it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds, and I thought that was indicative of, of, of some of the Texas tougher games. When they lost some of those games, it was because they didn't play clean football and they were in third and lost situations and couldn't run the football. Yeah, you got to play clean football when you're on the road in 20-degree weather where it feels like the start of the game it was 12 degrees uh, wind chill. By the end, it was 7-degree wind chill um, against the best team in the league. You, you have to be clean. And uh, yeah, the Texans ended up being four of twelve on third down. The Ravens were four of twelve too. Like I, I mean, the the defense I thought played played a good enough game to win for much of the game. But by the second half came when the Ravens did three consecutive touchdown drives. Uh, that was ball game because you you just, your offense wasn't going to score enough to keep up with them. Um, so yeah, it was it was a tough day in that sense, but. 10-10 at halftime against best team in the league. They, I mean, there's, there's something to be proud of. Both Tobiko uh, Ryans and C.J. Stroud talked about it after the game. Of They're upset that they lost. They really did believe they were going to win. They believed they were good enough to beat anybody in the league, and, and they were technically. Uh, <laughs> they just need a lot of things to go well to beat all the teams left in the playoffs, basically, I mean, because the Texans weren't the best team remaining. We know that. But they played well enough in, in, for long enough during the season that they they really started to believe. So it's pretty fascinating. So let's take it forward a bit, uh, and at the end we'll talk about the championship games that are coming up this weekend. We'll dive in that just a little bit. But let's talk about the Texans right now. What what, what are the biggest issues for them as they head into the offseason? Yeah, I think they've got to figure out running game in particular. Devin Singletary is going to be a free agent, of course. So there's no guarantee. He said he would like to come back, but he know, knows that it's a business. And the only running back on the contract is Damian Pierce, who who they who ran out of favor, fell the third-string running back by the end of the season. Yeah. He didn't have a single carry against the Ravens. And I think he had one against the Browns and didn't have a carry against the Colts. So they've got to figure out how to get him going or they've got to find another option in free agency. And you know they do have third most money in, in free agency. They're not going to want to spend all that money right away. They want to spend in other areas, particularly the defensive line. Um, so, But they've got to figure out what they're going to do with, with Damian Pierce and getting him right on the right track and whether they're going to sign Devin Singletary or another. 
I think those are some areas they got to, of course, add wide receiver. Like, like I said earlier, and then that defensive line, D'Amico Ryan said that's going to be his emphasis. And, and, you know, that's how D'Amico thinks. Uh, when he was with the 49ers, the defensive line was one of the best in the league with Nick Bosa. It, it really, that front seven was really what carried that deep. And the 49ers are playing in the NFC Championship again, and they played in, what, four out of the last five of them? So, clearly, that's a good place to start. Um, I, I, I get the sense, I mean, it's rare that you would um, get off of a running back who was a third-round pick. Of, uh, uh, I think Damien was a fourth-round pick. It's rare that you get off a fourth-round pick after only two years, but clearly um, he didn't he didn't fit what the Texans do. Um, and so, you know, he, he went from having 20 and 24 carries a game in the first, you know, few games when, when they were still trying to run the ball. Um in the win over Pittsburgh, he had 24 carries, but his season high of 81 yards, not good. His season best, his best game of the season in yards per carry, 3.8 yards at Carolina. You know, second best was 3.4 yards at Baltimore in the first game of the season. And then you get to the end of the year where you have zero, three, and zero carries. Yeah, yeah. You're you're not a factor in the team's future unless you go into the off season and come back with a whole different mindset and a different uh, approach to what you're doing because clearly the coaches don't believe in it anymore and his teammates don't, you know. But I'll give him credit. You you spend a lot more time around him than I do, but I'll give him credit. He took to the kick return duty seriously. Was trying to contribute wherever he could. He wasn't a malcontent. He wasn't causing problems in the locker room, even though he lost his starting job. And that speaks to the culture that uh, that Nick Casario has drafted and brought with the free agents in, and the culture that D'Amico Ryan's has cultivated. Yeah, Correct? yeah, I, I would say so. He didn't talk to the media all year, um, but he was one of the guys who still had among his teammates, even though he wasn't. Too fond of, of, of the media anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh, he didn't like you? What would you do to the brother? No, it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't me. I don't think he had a problem with me. He just didn't he didn't show up in the locker room uh talk to the media anymore. But I think if you ask his teammates, they say he still keeps a positive attitude, he still loves football, and I think he wants to be a part. Uh you know, he he, he thinks he can be a big factor. And and I was talking to Devin Singletary, he said you know, his advice to Damian Pierce would be to just stay patient. And you, you know you can play, so just just keep keep at it. Keep playing. Come at it. I mean, it's a, this game isn't easy, and it, nothing is given to you. You have to earn it. Um, and Pierce didn't earn it this year. He just – he didn't I, – no, I do think the, the thought of he didn't fit what they do, it, there's some meaning to that. But I'll put some of that on the coaches too. It's like – well, if he doesn't do what you guys do well, then let him run the stuff that he does do well. You know, like you, you got you got to you got to put him in position to succeed. And I don't know if they did that well enough. But of course, early on when he was playing, that's when the offensive line was in shambles. I mean, there, yeah, nobody was going to gain any yards uh, behind that line early on the season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, some some of the blame does definitely have to be put on the coaching staff because you got to put him in a position. You got to teach him the right way. He's only a second year player, learning an entirely new system. 
you know that he has talent and now it's, it's, it's their job to unleash that talent. And um, so, yeah, like Devin Singletary said, he know he's already shown that he has ability. You know, guys are praising him in his first season. It's time that they figure out how to un- unleash that. Yeah, I get the sense you, you mentioned the um, Schultz at tight end. Uh, I, I get the sense that uh, Dalton Schultz that really enjoyed playing here and like what what he saw and you you you, you were you mentioned um putting pieces around cj stroud one of the things that i think we're going to learn i'm projecting this going forward is that cj stroud is so good at making people around him better that these pieces will want to come and join him people will want to come and play with him because they see how good he is and how he delivers and how he, he's willing to spread the ball around. I know he, he was feeding Nico, but he was feeding Tank Dell, and he was he he didn't let Schultz run without getting fed. I mean, he he will spread it around. It's that, that old thing that uh, when I covered the Patriots that I used to talk about with Tom Brady, his favorite receiver is the guy that's open, you know. So Stroud has been able to, to prove that he'll go to his third and fourth read even. He will check down he'll find what he needs to get done he protects the ball what was the stat that i saw um uh i don't know the exact numbers but he started off the season with a a record for any quarterback of pass attempts without an interception uh and whatever that number was i think it was 188 one and he ended the year with 191 passes without an interception a couple dropped interceptions in there, but that's okay. Those count too <laughs> as incompletions, not interceptions. He, he's so good. The Texans shouldn't have much problem trying to get players who want to come play here. Yeah, and that's one of the things D'Amico Ryan said. He feels like, you know, Houston is going to be a destination for free agents now. And and you couldn't say that before. You know, they didn't have a, a quarterback for wide receivers to want to come and shot. People are going to see the improvement Nico Collins had from year two to year three and be like, okay, well, if Nico can shine, you know, I bet you I could get my shine on too. Noah Brown, you know, some of the games he had, 152 yards, 153 yards one game, 172 yards the next game. Like, this offense is meant for explosive plays. It's an attractive place to play. Of course, you got Houston where there's no, you know, state income tax as well. And then you got a players coaching D'Amico Ryans who – Really puts his players first and wants to teach the game, and it's not a it's not a a place like the the Patriots way, where it's my way or the highway. And not that players don't like that; I'm sure some players do like that. But Houston is going to be a place that guys who who want to shine can come and shine because they have the right pieces, like quarterback and Demico Ryan play. So, yeah, Demico Ryan, is, you know, spoke about that, and I thought that was interesting. That was something that, for sure, they didn't have before. Yeah, you had breaking news today on Tuesday as we record this about the coaching staff. Tell us about it. Yeah, so found out um, first report that um, Texas defensive line coach uh, Jacquez Caesar, his contract is not being renewed for the 2024 season, and he plans to explore other options. So two two sides kind of parting ways. He's not necessarily be a fire, but he's exploring other options, and the Texans are not about to renew the contract. There are a variety of reasons those kind of things happen. Do you have any insight as to what uh, what went into the, that decision? 
hopefully going to find out more still during the report and it just happened. So hopefully going to find out more, but it's my understanding that uh, he, he definitely wanted to look at, at some other um, options for him. Um, so the Texans are going to probably find out to find another defensive line coach. I think one uh, possible um, option is uh, their assistant defensive line coach. Um, right now, his name lose lose uh, me right now, but um, yeah, I, I think that they could potentially go um, internal with that hire um, in in try uh, so, just just bump just bump him up. Yeah, up. so I think uh, that to me makes the most sense. And um, but it was the first move. You know, we wondered whether uh, you know some coaches were going to leave and and some coaches were going to uh, stay in first. Guy who will return. Yeah, there there are always people that are gonna move. I mean that that that's one of the one of the um uh themes in the locker room and it always is with every NFL team that make the Texans any different is like, listen, this season is over, this team is dead. This team will no longer exist. Next year it'll be a completely different team, you know, with fifteen, twenty with the way the Texans are, it could be 25, 30 new players. You don't know, uh, but it'll be a it'll be a different group of players and coaches and different. Everything is going to be different. You're starting from scratch. You got my Cole Popovich, the assistant. Uh, uh, no, oh no, like Rod, yeah, Cole Cole's a, the O line coach. Rod yeah, White, yeah, yeah. Rod White, who was a Texas Longhorn. No, yeah, I covered I covered him when he played for the Texans uh, for UT. Yeah, Rod, Rod's Rod's a, a good coach. He he knows his stuff. He was a he was a great player too, man. He a dominant football player back in the day. Um, and then that's the thing. Like they're starting from scratch now. You start to build your new team, and they're they're already working on draft. Uh, they're putting their draft board together, and the scouts probably already put up you know their their board, and then now. D'Amico and the coaches can they've been busy coaching the team and dealing with the, the the professional team that scouting staff has put together the draft board now D'Amico and them will look at it what's the Texan draft status like um, where their picks are what's important for them now yeah so the Texans they're going to draft number 23 overall that was a pick they got from the Cleveland Browns in the trade earlier this season. And they'll have eight picks in the draft, including that 23rd pick. They'll have a second-round pick, a third-round pick, two fourth-round picks, and three seventh-round picks. So as we know from Nick Casario's history, he loves a trade. So we'll probably see some trade-ups, uh, potentially package a few of those seventh-round and fourth-round picks to move up. But when I look at who they could potentially draft and, and the draft needs – you know, I think cornerback, defensive line that could possibly be their first round pick. I could I could see wide receiver. This this draft is said to be deep with wide receivers, so they could possibly get one in the second or third round. Um, and I also think about linebacker. I think if you can resign Blake Cashman, you have Christian Harris who improved tremendously from year two in year two, um, and you add another linebacker. Along with that, somebody who can play in D'Amico Ryan's system, I think you improve your defense uh, tremendously. So uh, I look at those are the areas. 
as far as their areas of need, and, and again, it's defensive line, quarterback, wide receiver, and linebacker. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, I, I, I abhor the mock draft talk. <laughs> it's not that's my least favorite thing in sports, that uh, and recruiting talk, but we'll definitely be able to dive into some of that over the course of time here over the the next few months as they head to the to the draft. I'll I'll throw this out there right now though. Um and of course it's because I'm from Texas, so we we think Texas, but two things real quick. I I don't see them grabbing a cornerback with that pick in the twenties, because do you want to start a, a rookie cornerback opposite of a third year guy uh in Stingley um who who you drafted in the twenties? Yeah, I I think you'd want a veteran with the with the veteran deep veteran team that you're trying to really do some damage with. I, but but you could get a you can get a a defensive tackle. So keep the keep in mind the line Byron Murphy the second from University of Texas could be a variable around there in the early twenties. But hey, let's wrap this up. Um, keep up with all of Jonathan's coverage. Of the Texans at HoustonChronicle.com. My writing is the same place, HoustonChronicle.com. Thanks to Pioneer Audio for producing this. And we will keep you going on the fifth round throughout the NFL playoffs, throughout the Texans offseason, every week, right here. So like us, follow us on wherever you get us on your podcast. Let everybody know how good it is and share it. And we will catch you next week on the fifth round. <laughs>